This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Activated by contract termination. Rumors of our demise are greatly exaggerated. Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacy Washington. She's blessed to be a Bible reading, gun toting, Air Force veteran, wife, and mom. Righteously American. All right, y'all. <laughs> it's good news. Good news. Good news. I'm finally able to share that we are going to be joining LifeZet TV. They're picking up the live stream of the show. So you guys know how much I like the people over at LifeZet, how we've actually I've, I've submitted op-eds to them and they've put them on their website. I've interviewed their hosts in previous times at the old place and so it's been their their writers have always been fantastic and they always have great content over there and so I'm really glad to have our live stream added in to what they're doing um still working on exactly how it will work for now we're talking about the current live stream as it is presented to you on the show being carried over there and then to increase production values I'm not sure how we're going to marry up um but I'm excited. And so we only could have gotten here with the help of Noah Chalaya, executive producer of the show, who is, he wears so many hats and he's so busy. And I don't know how he finds the time to squeeze in the things that I ask him to do. Um, But I have to say, outside of gratitude, it's just an amazing thing to have someone working that hard. And you guys know I can't pay him because... I'm barely afloat keeping my costs, just the cost of running the show, um, which you guys, it's listener supported. Kind of amazing that we've been able to do this listener supported. Um, So I'm so excited about this. It's an opportunity for me to actually earn a living doing the same thing that I've been doing. Same show, same fun stuff. um, To add the guests back in and to really do some more awesome, awesome things. So yeah, this is happening. We could have a praise break right here, but we have a whole show to do. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, I have a ton for you. First of all, you might have heard that Target stores, that their stock is really great to have, or it was really great to have had already because they've had a huge increase in value. I think someone said, some economists said 40% increase in value since the beginning of the year, since last year. And the reason for this is because obviously they just, they've, really been working hard to overcome the boycott that was launched um, in response to them basically degenderizing their bathrooms and all of the sexual assaults that occur at Target, which I have a running tabulation of not just Target, but Walmarts, mainly retail locations. It's not not the safest place to be a woman. So you have to be on your uh, operational readiness kind of thing. Like you have to be situationally aware. That's the proper term. You got to be keeping your wits about you when you're in the store. You can't be walking like a zombie with your phone in your face, watching the latest live stream of your favorite. Wait till you get home to watch that. When you're in the retail locations, you have to keep your eyes peeled and you especially have to keep your eyes on your kids. And we all know how difficult that can be. Kids want to run, but the runners, they're the ones who go in the stroller. Even if the runner is the older kid and the smaller kid gets to walk, you either put them both in the, in the, uh, the actual, not the stroller, but the, the cart, Put them both in the cart. If you don't have the option to have them both in the cart, then you have to wear a front pack carrier and put that toddler with the legs flailing in the front pack or backpack carrier and put the other kid in the stroller. 
Um, and really, it's best to just be training your kids from the minute they can walk that they have to listen to you. And so you can do that with rewards and tiny, you know, tiny smacks. It, it's it, it can be done with any child. I hate it when I see someone who says, I just don't know what to do with this child. They're untrainable. No child is untrainable. So it's our responsibility. So anyway, on that tangent aside, um, we'll be talking about this. It's kind of a rally for them and their partnering target is with one of my favorite stores. We spent so much money at Toys R Us as our kids were growing up, getting them all their favorite things for their birthdays and, and for Christmas. And it was really sad to see them go into bankruptcy. But the owner is, I guess, he was able to keep back three stores or so, and he's going to partner up with Target. So we'll talk about that. Um, we are also going to be dive bombing into um, Supreme Court heard arguments today about the rights of transgenders. They need the right to use the bathroom with us chicks. That's what they need. Um, they don't seem to want to fight about using the bathroom with the men. It's the women that they really need to get next to us and use the bathroom. Um, so we're going to talk about that. It's now mandatory for Florida's cities and counties to cooperate with ICE. Now, this is good news. Why would anybody be upset about this? Well, you know why. So we'll talk about why people are just raging mad um, that people are going to actually have to follow the law. (laughs) And then President Trump, we're going to launch into this right now, um, has actually ripped one of our busiest shipping ports, a container port on the coast of this great country, He's ripped it from the Chinese. They were able to convince Barack Obama, who was an overall horrible president, horrible at his job, horrible at protecting American interests. Well, this major U.S. container port um, was basically leased and then sold off to the communist Chinese, the commies. This was a long-term deal that the Obama administration took upon themselves to Basically say, yeah, this is this is good stuff. This is what we're going to do. Um, this Chinese communist company was basically taking control of the second busiest container port in the entire country. In an unreported Trump administration victory, the communists are out after a long, drawn-out national security review, which forced a unit of China-based Costco shipping holdings it's Orient Overseas Container Line, OOCL, to sell the cherished container terminal business, which handles among the largest freight of imports into the U.S. Now, the Chinese do this. They go across the world. They find busy shipper shipping and container ports, and they buy them. Okay? So if the United States was doing that, our news media would say, imperialism, colonialism, that's terrible, we can't allow, and they would, they would scream and holler, and, and now they wouldn't mind if George Soros was doing it, they don't mind if the Chinese do it, but they're, they would never permit a U.S. president to do this. Now, if you want to sell off all of our assets and let America be owned by China, oh, more power to you, but if you think you're going to, you know, um, go out and do something that might make us more powerful, well, you better get back. Don't don't even think about it. So this is a cherished container terminal business handling among the largest freight of imports into our country. The Chinese were set to control it. They had actually initiated a 40-year container terminal lease. And that container terminal lease between the Port of Long Beach in Southern California and the country of Hong Kong was actually, or not the country, and Hong Kong, (laughs) um, 
that was initiated in the, uh, and approved by the Obama administration. So they proudly signed the agreement back in 2012, giving China control of this port. And this is the largest container port, second only to the port of Los Angeles. Now, as soon as President Trump became, and, and, you know, was inaugurated, became the president, he was looking at this as was something on his list that he wanted to take care of. He wanted to get this absolutely it's just ludicrous. Why would we give control of something like this to a country that really wants to overtake us and overpower us and take us over? The, the communist Chinese would like nothing more. It's only the Second Amendment that prevents them from doing that. Um, and the nukes. I think it's the nukes also. But anyway, so they basically pushed them out. They did the National Security Review um, there were, of course, the feds had to intervene and then the millions of containers annually shipped through there. All of that under review was basically so we, you can't you can't sell this to the Chinese. You can't do it. So you need to redo it. So instead of an American company taking it over, just just so we're clear here, it's only a slight improvement. We now have this shipping container lease being sold to the port lease being sold to an Australian company called Macquarie Infrastructure Partners, essentially killing the decades-long contract w- between China and the Obama administration. Now, of course, it never should have been signed in the first place. The Southern California Port is a premier U.S. gateway for Trans-Pacific trade, handles trade valued at more than $194 billion a year, and it's one of the few ports that can accommodate the world's largest vessels and serves a whopping 140 shipping lines with connections to 217 seaports around the globe. The facility encompasses 3,200 acres, 31 miles of waterfront, 10 piers, 62 berths, 68 post-Panamax gantry cranes. And in 2018, the Long Beach port handled more than 8 million container units, achieving the busiest year in the history of its operation. And again, I say, why can't an American company own it? You know, you would think Mark Zuckerberg or Bill Gates, any one of these Silicon Valley people these they're they're just the richest people in America you would think that one of them or a group of them would say eh in the spirit of NIMBY not in my backyard let's just buy this thing up let's just buy it you know why do we want to buy it because we're Americans and we can so instead of having a foreign entity own our port we'll go ahead and we'll own it so It is a victory for the president to remove the Chinese commies. Um, It is a huge victory for national security. I believe it's a huge victory for our intellectual property. Hmm? Yeah, there's a lot of considerations that we should be um, examining instead of just leaving this all up to, well, it feels good to, you know, make all that money. Sure, you want to make money, but you don't want to open yourself to uh, being basically attacked intellectually, intellectual property wise, any, any of that stuff. Uh, so why am I talking about it here on the show? Well, I love to report news to you, but I'm also sharing this with you because if you're watching any regular news, then all you're hearing about is impeachment, impeachment, impeachment. We're going to talk about it too, but, um, yeah, this is important. So, In one of the articles about this, the Port of Long Beach's Deputy Executive Director 
described the transaction process as intricate, involving one of our most valuable port assets. At the bottom of that piece is a sentence mentioning that the U.S. government, which regulates mergers for antitrust and security reasons, stepped in and required Costco to sell its rights to the container terminal. In the last few years, China has bought cargo ports throughout the world, including Latin America, the Indian Ocean, and Mediterranean Sea. Chinese-owned ports are located in Greece, Italy, Spain, and other European locations. In sub-Saharan Africa, there are dozens of existing or planned port projects funded or operated by China. According to a study that highlights the threat the Chinese investments present to the U.S. influence in the region, now one troubling analyst analysis points out that Costco's commercial expansion has created leverage for Beijing. This leverage has already resulted in countries that host Costco ports adopting China's position on key international issues. An example of this? Well, didn't we just see the whole thing with the NFL? Some guy in the NFL, um, he basically just was expressing his opinion that he didn't, he, he agrees with Hong Kong, which you're probably thinking to yourself, well, what could be wrong with that? Like what could be wrong with a private citizen who works for a big corporation like the NFL saying that they are fine with the truth? So that story, let's, let's, let's get to that story. I hadn't planned on covering it, but it does connect up to this. If you paid attention to ESPN channels yesterday, you saw the network repeatedly attempting to grapple with the story of Houston Rockets general manager, Daryl Morey, who created an international incident after tweeting and then like a coward deleting. See, what would have really been awesome and wicked boss-like behavior would have been for him to tweet it out and then leave it there. Tweet it, leave it, done, bam, bam, boom. Tweet, leave it there, but he deleted it. His support for pro-democracy protesters in Hong Kong. You heard talking head after talking head castigate Murray for sending the tweet, speculating over whether he'd keep his job, um, the sincerity of his convictions, et cetera, et cetera. It is actually absolutely fine for this guy. I'm sorry, and it wasn't the NFL, it was the NBA. It's fine for this guy to tweet his own opinion about what's happening. But you know why the uh, ESPN and, and NBA paid attention to it? Because, look, first of all, ESPN sent a memo saying any discussion of the Daryl Morey story must avoid political discussions about China and Hong Kong, instead focusing on related basketball issues. And this is reported by Disney and ESPN or, uh, is reported by Deadspin. ESPN's owned by Disney. So Disney is now owned by Red China because Red China got angry and companies across Red China said they wouldn't do business with Disney slash ESPN slash NBA because of this. Does that sound like the kind of influence they want to exert at our ports? Yeah. That's why we can't let them own them. All right. We'll be back. Stay there. Welcome. Welcome back to the show. Um, okay, so uh, we were discussing this. Um, I'm, I'm checking my levels here. 
<laughs> I don't want to be overcharged. Um, so we're just discussing this Chinese influence. And I want to make the point that the Chinese are really good at watching what happens here in the United States politically and then changing their tactics to match that. So for us, we have this leftist orientation, a group of Americans who are leftists who they govern everything by their feelings. And so if someone gets mad about something, they want the people who are the recipients of that anger to change their behavior. When the Chinese see this, they understand that all they have to do is kick up a stink and have a bunch of companies act as if they won't do business anymore, even though they're, where else are they going to get American sports from? But ESPN. Where, so, so if they get mad, it's like, so what? Do you want to watch football or not? But our companies are so cash strapped and, you know, just unable to uh, handle any kind of disagreement instead of us standing firm and saying, you know, in this country, our citizens have the right to say whatever they want. We know that that doesn't roll in your country. So reach out to your friends at Google and have the access to the article limited. But what he said is his right to speak that. But how could we do that? We can't have American companies defending the free speech rights of their employees because if you do that, then people would be able to say what they really think about LGBT, transgenderism, whatever, Uh, same-sex marriage, whatever. You'd be able to actually tell the truth about what you think about abortion, wouldn't you? So instead of allowing that, leftists, they're willing to take the poison right along with what they've actually mandated, which is you don't have free speech. Leftists would love it if we were like communist China because then only the loudest, angriest individuals would attain power and the rest of us would have to shut up about it and then we'd be disarmed so there'd be no way we could think about having free speech. Thank God we don't have that situation going on. But it's not, a, it's not that we're not concerned. We, do, we need to be concerned about this, uh, the, the whole idea that Chinese companies can get upset about something an American said threaten not to do business with that company that the single employee works for. His views obviously don't reflect that of the entire company. And then what happens? Well, he's shut down. He's told to be quiet. And everyone else who's discussing it is told, don't talk about the political implications. China should not be allowed to dictate what we say and think over here. Just like they shouldn't be allowed to own our shipping ports which, you know, thank God for President Trump that he stopped that. Um, So I talked about this Target story, Target stores. So first of all, still boycotting. And I know that means I don't get the cool Chip and Joanna Gaines um, housewares. But last I looked around here, it still looks pretty and I've survived. So I'm going to live without the items. In fact, you know what I should do? Let me do it right quick while we're here on the show. I'm just going to go to eBay. How about this? I'm going to go to eBay. I'm going to type in magnolia just to prove to you because i know there's some some friends here we go magnolia magnolia home i'm typing this in and looking because if target won't protect women and girls in their restrooms but i still want the things that um, i can get from target then look what i can do here i am on i typed in magnolia home this is the same stuff they sell at target It's right here. You can buy it brand new or you can buy used stuff. Someone is selling tags from Joanna Gaines, Um, a little metal tool caddy, pillows, a seltzer bottle, uh, the galvanized tool tote. Oh, guess what? I saw this galvanized tool tote right here that's 39. I saw it for 19 at Home Goods. 
So I am not going to subject myself or our daughters to the possibility of being, you know, whatever could happen. I don't even want to go into it. I want to go into deep details. I'm not going to subject our children to that or myself, but I will buy whatever I want to buy using the power of the internet. I see all kinds of cute stuff on here. Now I'm not buying anything today. Um, cause to be honest, um, it's, we're in, we're in a contracting time, a time of assessing items, selling them, um, you know, not buying new things unless absolutely necessary because no longer, uh, an employee of the old place, but <laughs> this too shall pass. And then when I am shopping again, I will buy Magnolia home items if they are appropriate. And if I need them and I will buy them look right here on eBay. So I don't have to go to Target. And it's the same with everything else. Anything that you like to buy from Target before, you either don't need it anymore or you can buy it someplace else without ever setting foot in Target. I don't even buy their stuff online. So I was at the Starbucks one time. I know, I know. I So I only go when the daughter of the oldest is is with me and she's just in dire need of a, a um, something from Starbucks. So we were there. And in the line, and there was this cute young woman, college student, and she said she loved to buy stuff from Target. And she even showed me how Target has a sale app where you can clip coupons online and buy them within their app and you can save all this money. And I was like, oh, wow, you know, that's interesting. And she was like, yeah. And I said, well, don't shop at Target anymore. And she was like, oh, I said, I haven't been there in like six years. She said, well, you might want to go back because look at this. And I said, I, I probably won't, but thank you. And so, you know, off to the races. And when I hit my six year anniversary spring break, so after spring break of 2020, it will have been six years. And I'm going to celebrate probably by like not really doing anything special. I'm just going to have a little mental celebration just to celebrate the fact that I've stayed out of there for so long because we were, I was literally in there every two weeks. I had actually started buying groceries there. So that brings us to this story. Um, over at finance.yahoo.com, Target Stores, which is trades under the stock symbol TGT, has made Saturday afternoons brighter for a lot of people. But now people are even more excited about the possibilities because Target has um, made a basically a partnership. They're going to reboot Toys R Us's website. If you go to the new Toys R Us website, um, which has been actually relaunched ahead of several store openings for the holiday season, um, you're going to see that if you click buy, you're basically on Target site. Um, Toys R Us is, let's see, the CEO, his name is Richard Berry, and he's the CEO of True Kids Brands, and he's got a few stores left. Now, obviously, I'm excited that someone saw the value in saving Toys R Us, I'm not so excited by the idea that it was Target. Now, I know for people who own Target stock, they're enjoying an increase in the valuation of that stock, and it's it's a good thing. And I don't begrudge you investing. Like, if you're a smart investor and you see something before it's about to turn and you buy into it, um, as long as you're not buying into, like, that, like abortion businesses, the stericycle and all that stuff, um, you know, it, it's, it's a money-making opportunity. Um, but as far as shopping is concerned... I, I can't I can't get down with that. And I still encourage people, if you're one of those people who you're still shopping there, I just encourage you to think about where else you could be shopping to get what you need. The idea that you can't stop shopping there has been proven false by me and so many others. I was just communicating with a lady, uh, emailed, she was a listener. She emailed me and said she hadn't been in there in five years. I was like, me too. She said she thought she wouldn't be able to do without it, but then she just was outraged and she stopped. 
So please stop shopping there. Um, they're, they're not talking about, in the story, when they talk about how low their stock was um, and how high, it's highly likely that Toys R Us shops, so little mini shops are going to open inside of Target stores and how this is all good developments, um, they don't talk in here about the boycott. It says there's been an aggressive remodeling campaign by CEO Brian Cornell and it makes people happier when they walk through the door to the Target store. He says that they've actually not only remodeled, but they've got a different marketing campaign and that this reinvention has been unfolding for more than a year. Well, what also has coincided with that? The the decreased stock price, the lower foot traffic in their stores. So we were making an impact, but what he's doing is he's doing some window dressing to lure you back in. So if the store is prettier and they showcase more beyond meat, you know, the, the vegan meat uh, substitute, and they put more socially conscious stuff in there that they can lure people back into the store. And my, my thing for you is Target is a discounter. So if discount items that are pretty is what you're looking for, you can go to Home Goods, you can go to, to uh, TJ Maxx, you can shop locally. One of my favorite things to do is to go to these local shops that have opened up. A lot of times it's mother daughters here in in St. Louis who will open a store. And one of my favorite ones, they just celebrated their 18th anniversary. And I remember when they opened it, the daughter was a teenager. Now she's since graduated from high school, gone to college, and they go on annual buying trips to uh, the high point markets and they pick up all kinds of wares that they bring back to St. Louis. And they also showcase the work of local artisans who paint windows and make jewelry and create all kinds of things for the home. And these are locally owned businesses that you can support. And when something happens, they stay out of the politics because they don't want their store, which is a single location that they're relying on for the income that they used to to live. They don't want their store embroiled in political stuff. So they don't get involved, which means you can purchase with confidence. There are some socially conscious liberal type stores down in the city that sell cute home goods, but since they're so kind as to paint their politics on their sleeve, I don't have to worry about shopping there because I already know when they go on their website and I see all their garbage politically connected uh, postings on their Instagram account, I'm like, well, so I know I won't be shopping here. I don't care how cute your stuff is. Not shopping here. So it makes it easier on the local level because most business owners are not going to want to offend potential purchasers by putting their political bent in there. So he even says in the article that you didn't see all of the beautiful, like beyond meat packaging and all that stuff five years ago. He says the home department feels like home goods light, except you don't waste two hours trying to find a cool looking paper towel holder. You can get that cool looking paper towel holder in five minutes. I mean, it's really, this is a like a sales deal um, for Target. It, and I don't even know, maybe this is a placed uh, op-ed where someone, maybe he's compensated or maybe they wrote the op-ed and they asked him to actually place it here on Yahoo Finance. But it's a total cheerleading deal for him. Um, he says... His target is one of the hundreds getting remodeled and the changes look like they're going to be very noticeable and he has a before and after picture. So they let him in for that. Um, The new Disney stores at Target are nice. So inside of the Target store, they have a specific Disney store. And we know how leftist Disney is. They don't even let their employees practice free speech. But, you know, okay. Um, And then they have the same thing that Sam's Club and 
uh, Walmart have been doing, which is you drive up, you order, you drive up and onto especially like a parking spot. And then they bring your items that you've purchased online out to your car. So you don't even have to go in. Um, that's probably the only thing they've instituted. That's really, really smart since if you don't have to go in, then you don't have to worry about being sexually assaulted in their gender free bathrooms. Um, and then they also have upgraded their food area and it looks nice, but my thing with Target is that I never had a problem with the way it looked. I always liked the way Target looked. I loved the way it looked. You you guys know I have a thing for the color red. I love the red accents. I love the little Target thing. The extra, you know, I love the logos. I love the way they had the clothes organized. There was never a problem with the store. It was always cleaner than Walmart. We had a little nickname for it at my house because my sister used to work there part-time for a little bit before she started being a flight attendant. This was years ago. She called it Target. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. And so we called it Target. This is before we even had any kids. Um, so it's not about the look of things. He keeps acting as if it's the appearance and the improvements in the appearance that are that are behind the stock rallying. That's not it at all. People are becoming immune to those of us who are talking about the boycott. And I really feel sorry for people who don't understand what we're trying to do to make a point to a retailer that they need to get out of the business of making women and girls, children really, more vulnerable to sexual assault. That should be something that everyone could get behind. I don't care if you're a liberal or a Dem- or Democrat or Republican or conservative, whatever, you should be able to get behind that. So I love the puff piece. It's linked up in the show notes, but I'm, I'm not down with it. It's not for me. Um, even though they're doing something that's actually pretty decent, which is uh, joining forces with Toys R Us. So we have a little bit of time left here. I want to cover this story about, it's over at cnsnews.com. Can Ruth Bader Ginsburg make a man into a woman? That's the title. It's by Terrence Jeffrey. And he's talking about the new Supreme Court, or not the new, the new session of the Supreme Court, which has just opened. So judging by the argument that one lawyer made today, uh, yesterday, Tuesday, um, David Cole told Gorsuch, Justice Gorsuch, that there were transgender lawyers in the courtroom that day. Now, is that really that odd? If they're arguing a case about abortion, don't they bring abortion-minded women into the courtroom? If they're arguing about a business or, or uh, you know, revenue opportunity or taxes or, or children, don't they bring some affected members into the area so that they can try to, I don't know, influence it? Yes, they do. Thank you. Okay. So they're doing that. Um, so Cole was actually presenting, representing a biological male who decided back in 2013 that he identified mental illness as a female. He then fought a family-owned Michigan-based funeral home all the way to the Supreme Court because they fired him when he indicated that he was going to start dressing as a female at work. Now, again, and a lot of people in the audience have already been through this. I know when we went through this as, as a family, you have a death in the family, you go to the funeral home, and imagine in your grief having to face someone who is obviously a man with stubble and everything, dressed up like a woman because he this guy wasn't even doing a good job of trying to fool people and he was wanting to make the transition in the middle of working with families so one day he's a man the next day you come in he's dressed as a woman and of course his bosses at the funeral home were like not today satan you ain't gonna do that to these poor people they're already grieving not to mention the damage to the business so the question is will the supreme court codify this kind of craziness 
into law as they've done with abortion and so many other ills. I don't know. But we'll see, won't we? All right, when we get back to the last segment of the show, I'm going to hit the chat room, see what's going on over there. Stay right there, people. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the program. Thanks so much for being in the chat room to everyone. Um, I'm going to say thanks for just for being here still. And please share the podcast, share the show. Um, we we would love to have you listen to the podcast and share it and keep our numbers up. Uh, so just to finish out this transgender argument that was presented yesterday at the Supreme Court, um, there's there's this this whole thing. Um, where Neil Gorsuch was questioning this attorney. And he said, as I was saying, um, there are transgender male lawyers in this courtroom following the male dress code and going to the men's room and the court's dress code and sex segregated restrooms have not fallen. Transgender people follow the rule that's associated with their gender identity. It's not disruptive. Now, I don't think that's the issue, but there's, there's a bit more to it than that. There's the idea that when you open up the restrooms and say it's whatever gender you feel you are, that people who are mentally ill, in addition to the ones who are forcing this change, and sexual predators will use that to their advantage. That's why they're sexual predators, because they're evil and they use loopholes and things that normal people wouldn't think to do to their advantage so that they can prey on women and children. That's the thing. That that That's the thing, y'all. So... Anyway, um, in this case, the court has to decide what the word sex means legally when it describes an individual sex. Are human beings male and female? Are there additional sexes? In the same case, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit decided that an individual sex is whatever the individual says it is. A person's sex in that court's vision is neither static nor binary. There are problems with this redefining of what is is. When we take something as just basic and foundational as what gender a person is, and we leave it up to that individual's interpretation, we're saying that Title IX for women's sports, just throw it out the window. Forget about it. Just forget about women and girls ever competing again. We see what's happening with so-called transgender males who've already gone through puberty and have experienced the benefits of the rush of testosterone these individuals are beating the pants off of women and girls in their respective gender-specific sports. So um, this was a Bill Clinton appointee. Her name is Judge Karen Nelson Moore. And her quote is, by the same token, discrimination because of sex inherently includes discrimination against employees because of a change in their sex. And she elaborated in a footnote comparing discrimination against transgender, intersex, or sexually indeterminate people to, wait for it, wait for it, you know what I'm about to say, 
to religious discrimination, which she probably is perfectly fine with. So you can discriminate against people religiously, but you can't discriminate against mentally ill people who don't know what body they're in. So she says people can decide to change their sex just as they can decide to change their religion. Can you believe this? (laughs) I'm not reading the rest of her quote. Forget it. So Justice Samuel Alito accurately noted that the case, this case is about the meaning of sex and that in arguing it and discussing it and validating it, it opens the door to other cases. Alito said, quote, let me move beyond the bathroom to another example. And it's not before us, but it will be coming. So a transgender woman is not permitted to compete on a woman's college sports team. Is that discrimination on the basis of sex in violation of Title IX? Title IX prohibits discrimination on the basis of sex in education programs which receive federal funding. So if five Supreme Court justices decide in the funeral home case that a person's sex under Title VII is whatever the person says it is, the same logic applied to Title IX would mean that a high school boy could simply declare himself a female and play on the girls' basketball team. The ultimate issue here is not bathrooms or basketball courts. It is truth. So I'm going to go ahead and step out there and say that a person's sex is an objective and unchangeable fact. To claim otherwise is a lie. And let me just go a step further. It's genetic because even after a person has undergone a sex change operation, if you test their saliva or their blood or their hair, when you examine it on the genetic level, you see the chromosome imprint is either male or female. So nothing really has changed except mutilation of the body, Um, which you know, we're, we're already here. We're already discussing this. So I want to get over to this. There's a LGBT activist who, you know, God bless him. It's a formerly transgendered woman launching a basically advocacy network, a, uh, you know, a safe place for people to go and have their questions answered and be supported for people who are detransitioning from this lifestyle. Now, we saw a little bit of this um, a few years ago. There were some kids who they were raised by same-sex couples, and they were saying, look, we we didn't get what we wanted because we always wanted dads, and we only had moms. There's a group of us who were raised by same-sex moms, and it just hurt because we always saw other kids who had dads. We wanted them for ourselves, but you know, what do you do? We, they, it's like they lived in a female commune with their moms only had female friends. There were no men present whatsoever. So this is similar to that in that it's people coming out from among them and saying, you know what? I'm sorry, not popular to say, but this just didn't work out for me. This was horrible. And I want to talk about it. So this is a British woman who previously identified as a transgendered man. And she's launching a nonprofit group aimed at welcoming those who are detransitioning from a transgendered identity. Charlotte Evans, who went public with her story last year, told Sky News that hundreds of people who are detransitioning have contacted her. Evans set up the Detransition Advocacy Network as a support system for those looking to reverse their transition. 
She did not take cross-sex hormones or puberty blockers. She did not go through transgendered surgery, but she argues that puberty can contribute to gender confusion and that most detransitioning people who have approached her have been in their mid-20s, female and same-sex attracted. So what I want to just point out is that she's now living as a woman. She's, she wears a mohawk with rainbow colors all through the top. Um, she has on some kind of chunky black glasses and um, lots of piercings in her ears. And, you know, she's, she's obviously a woman in this picture, even though her hair is cut short. And it is perfectly fine for us as a society to be more accepting of girls who are tomboys and not say, oh, no, you're a boy or, oh, no, you're a man reinforce the idea that that is still a girl created in the image of God, just a girl who happens to like Tonka trucks and, you know, playing and doing, you know, the the kinds of activities that maybe are quote unquote boy activities. I think we've gotten away from that a little bit where we say for a kid who's a boy who likes to sew and is interested in artistic pursuits, everyone thinks, well, he must be a homosexual. Well, who were all of the drapers and milliners before? The ones who created the hats, designed the clothes, sewed the curtains, sewed everything that had to be sewn. They were men. They designed all that stuff. And they weren't all homosexuals. They were married. They had children. And they were milliners. They were shoemakers. They were drapers. They even ran the clothing shops. So... If they could be heterosexual and have those occupations, then why can't we, we've bought into what the LGBTQ so-called rainbow movement has told us that only people who are homosexuals like doing these activities if they're a man. That is a lie from the pit of hell. We can accept these people for what they like to do, whatever your natural inherent bent is, without saying there's something wrong with them or they're gender confused. Some of this is actually being implanted in kids from the adults in their lives, like um, Charlize Theron and the way she adopted a little black kid she adopted and she's raising him as a girl. He's a biological male. She's raising him as a girl. Now, has he ever had a strong male role model? Is she married? She's abusing him and doing it with the full approval of Hollywood. The same thing that the Pitts are doing with their biological, it's their um, daughter, their biological daughter, and they're raising her as a boy. So this person here, this woman, Charlotte Evans, is proof positive that that is abuse and that it shouldn't keep going on. So you can find this in the show notes for today. We have a lot of topics today. Um, And so if you're just joining in, we also announced at the top of the show that we're joining Lifeset.tv and we're so excited about it. And uh, I want you to just just be praying with, with me and my family that everything will go smoothly and that this will be a great benefit to them and to me, um, for the advancement of the program. So, um, speaking of the weird, profane, insane, and all around crazy, um, I have this story here about a woman and, and we, this is, so this is part two of the story. Cause we covered this, I believe it was about a year ago, actually. Um, a woman who was awarded 244000 in a wrongful birth lawsuit who says she would have aborted her son if she'd known he had Down syndrome. She's British. She sued the hospital where she gave birth because she said if she'd known he had Down, she would have aborted him. Her name is Edita Mordell. She said she was upset and angry upon discovering that her son had the chromosomal disability. 
She expressed interest in having the testing, but the hospital argued that she willingly declined testing for Down syndrome. The presiding judge said because English is Mordell's second language, the hospital should have been more diligent. So let's, let's make a note here. In many countries, early detection of Down syndrome has resulted in the overwhelming majority of babies with a condition being aborted. In the U.S., 75% of mothers who get a positive test for a Down syndrome baby end up choosing to abort. In other countries, like Iceland, they're up in the upper 90s. So almost 100% of the babies who are diagnosed with, or so the chromosome of Down syndrome is detected in the prenatal testing, they actually abort almost 100% in Iceland. What's depressing about this is that people don't see the similarity between aborting every single Down syndrome baby and what was done back in the Nazi era. People don't see the similarity between that at all. Um, Again, all of these stories at listen.staceyontheright.com. You can click the links, read them for yourself, or share them to spur discussion among individuals who you feel like, hey, you know, this might be worthy. And don't forget, if you're spurring on discussion and you see a whole bunch of arguing and stuff going on, you don't have to argue with people. You don't have to engage in that. If you share and they're not willing to just discuss, they can only argue, you can shut that down. You're allowed to do it. Just let the person go. It's okay. It will bring peace into your life. I'm, I'm currently experiencing that where it's actually made me more sensitive to when I'm being argumentative. It's, and so that means I'm actually a little bit nicer of a person by saying, I'm going to limit the amount of arguing that I do over, over issues. And it's not that I don't disagree. It's that I choose not to argue anymore. It's amazing if you just decide, you know, it, it can just be fantastic for you. Um, Okay, we're getting close to the end of the show. I promised you this story over. This is over at LifeZet.com. Um, these Florida counties and cities are required to cooperate with ICE. Um, this is this is pretty amazing. Last June, Le- Governor, not Lieutenant Governor, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, Republican, kept a campaign promise by signing SB 168 into law, which requires all Florida cities to cooperate with ICE, which is Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Um, yes, yes, more governors need to do this. Don't you think? How about the rule of law for everybody instead of just having it be for a select few? Yeah, I'm digging it. (laughs) So, um, U.S. District Judge Beth Bloom recently ruled that parts of the new Florida immigration law seen by opponents as a sanctuary city ban could go into effect uh, as of October 1st. She continued to block a portion of the law requiring state law enforcement to cross state lines to assist ICE. So it's effective. They have to cooperate. Yes. (laughs) Okay. That's the show for today. God bless. See you tomorrow.